An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh, Episode 453, submission number 1281, Frank's Place. Frank's Place aired on CBS from September 14th of 1987 to March 22nd of 1988 for a total of 22 episodes. Six more than your standard crack block. And the episodes that we've covered that originate from September 1987 are the following. Primetime starts at 7.30. Captain Power and Soldiers of the Future. New Monkeys. Marblehead Manor. I Mary Dora. The Slat Maxwell Story. Show favorite, Second Chance 1987 Boys Will Be Boys. J.J. Starbuck, and if we're counting a miniset, you can also include the 1987 version and go back to miniset 7. Can we also include Batman 66, since Jake and the Fat Man premiered that year? No. Darn. Want to hear some New Orleans jazz? Oh, do I? You know what it means to miss New Orleans where mocking boys used to sing I'd like to see the lazy Mississippi a hurrying in to spring. Oh, the mighty grass, the memories of Creole's tunes that fill the air. I dream of old yanders in June, and soon I'm wishing that I were there. What it means to miss New Orleans when that's where you left your heart. There's something more. I miss the one I care for more than I miss New Orleans. One of the big shows on CBS in 1987, one of the big debut shows was Frank's Place. And we talked about it in the past. Because the CBS Playhouse was hosted by Tim and Daphne Maxwell-Reed. We talked about it a number of times where they would introduce pilots and basically the home audience would say yay or nay. I know one of them was Kung Fu the Next Generation or the New Generation or something like that. But we did talk about another pilot that would have aired in 1987. Infiltrator with Scott Bakula. And actually, we did the third because King of the Building was also in the uh, Summer Playhouse. Yeah, we did that too. So we've covered three of the 1987 CBS Playhouse entries, which would have had the little interstitial segments hosted by Tim and Daphne Maxwell-Reed in preparation for this in fall of 1987. We got to talk about the creator of this show. Oh, yes. Hugh Wilson, WKRP, previous entry, the famous Teddy Z. Oh, Greg, that reminds me. Another show that we talked about that's going to be on our uh, new network, the Teddy Famous Z. Right after it's always showtime at the Apollo. 
Well, it's always Showtime at the Apollo, so does it technically ever end? No. It's like an infinite loop. But yeah, Hugh Wilson, WKRP, the famous Teddy Z, and also wrote the original Police Academy back in 1984. So Frank's place, it was set in New Orleans, and really, you get that vibe pretty early on, just with some of the cast members, specifically one that we've referred to in the past, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, who's got a southern drawl so thick you can cut it with a machete. So Frank Parrish, he was a professor at Brown University. He inherited a restaurant, the Chez Louisiane. Got to use that French accent. I took five years of French in school, so I need it to actually pay off. So Frank traveled down to New Orleans intending to sell the restaurant in the premiere episode However, the waitress named Emerita, also known as Miss Marie, put a voodoo curse on Frank to ensure that he'll come back to carry on his family's legacy with the business. When Frank returns to New England, the life that he's known there suddenly goes crazy. So feeling he has no choice, he goes back to New Orleans and makes discoveries about black culture in New Orleans and the difference between northern and southern lifestyles and also himself. And really, this is her Wikipedia. It's a fish-out-of-water story, not unlike the Beverly Hillbillies or Green Acres. And the stories sometimes focus on class issues, race issues. You do see that in the South a little bit. I've been down there. I've got relatives down there. And even now, in 2024, sometimes still some issues. Talking about some characters, we talked about Frank Parrish, played by Tim Reed, who we would all know as Venus Flytrap from WKRP in Cincinnati, among other things. I know he was on Simon and Simon. I know he was on Sister, Sister. But I think people of a certain age, specifically me, Venus Flytrap. Oh, I thought one of you would chime in with you. You're allowed your wrong opinion. I thought one of you would definitely chime in with with Simon and Simon being his big show. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Sister Sister did last like six seasons. How long did WKRP last? Four. Think about it. Okay, you know what? I'm going to see how long Simon and Simon lasted so I can put your little Sister Sister to rest. Oh, shoot, it only lasted four seasons. I think we lost this time. Well, how many seasons was Tim Reed on Simon and Simon? Well, let's see. He was credited as being on Simon and Simon when he was on Match Game Hollywood Squares in 84. So, uh, looks like about four seasons. So, seasons three through six. Oh, wait a second. It ran six seasons. How many seasons did Sister Sister run? Six seasons. So, you know what? They're equals. Maybe in terms of length of time, they're not equal. But number of seasons, six versus six. However, did it have a special in the Adult Swim series, the greatest event in television history, where the reenactment of the opening was made? No. Adam Scott was apparently too busy for that. Yeah, and remember, John Hamm, quote-unquote, died during that. No, trust me, John Hamm's going to die during Grimsburg. No, and actually, that looks pretty fun, but... Moving on. So, playing his wife, Hannah Griffin, 
is his real life wife, Daphne Maxwell Reed, aka Aunt Viv the Second. He's not wrong. And remember, we talked about Aunt Viv the First at the end of the mini-sode about the McDLT. Well, Mike wasn't here for that, but Chico, remember when we stopped recording, we're like, oh, we're done. I was like, we're done. We're done. We're totally done. Wait! We are not done! I thought I was here for that. No, you weren't here for that. You were here for Herb, though. I was here for Herb, but that rings a bell, though. Well, you do listen to all the shows before they go online. Not all. Majority, but not all. Playing Cy Bubba Weisberger in this series is Robert Harper. Not with us any longer. Passed away in January of 2020 at the age of 68. He was in Creep Show. That's an interesting credit. Charlie Garrison in Creep Show. But taking a look at his TV series, uh, a series called Philly in 2001 and 2002. He was on 13 episodes. Going to presume the entire run. But he made appearances on one episode of many shows. He was on four episodes of, I shouldn't even mention the show. He played Brian Laporte. I guess you guys want me to mention the show. Yeah. LA Law, play it. You hurt the man. I really don't want to talk about it. No, when you said, I don't want to say, I thought you were going to say the Mr. Black mysteries. Because according to Homer Simpson, that show had limitless possibilities. Oh, the jokes just write themselves, don't they? He was in an episode of Star Trek TNG. Ooh. Playing Lethal Bind. I wonder if he has an autographed card in Rittenhouse. Uh, well, he was uncredited in the episode, so I would say oh. probably not. Season 4, episode 23, The Host. He did, however, also appear on one episode of the original Fat Man 66, Jake and the Fat Man. I think that's what we're calling it, the original Fat Man 66. Because Fat Man 66 is on our network, and okay, I want to make sure. Right between the Eddie Famous Z and It's Always Showtime at the Apollo. And The Lost Precinct. Let's not forget about The Lost Precinct. And many other shows. Playing Anna May. No last name here. Anna May is Francesca P. Roberts. And where you would know her from? From the Super Mario Brothers movie in 1993. She played Bertha. Yes! Not just Bertha. Big Bertha. That was like the biggest cheap cheat there ever was in Mario 3. You put some respect on that name. I'm sorry. She was also on one episode of our favorite series, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Season 10, episode 4, Charlie Work. Playing Miss Marie. Going back to the uh, waitress who put that little voodoo hex on Tim Reed's character is Frances E. Williams. Passed away in 1995. She is best known as Grandma Johnson in The Jerk. <laughs> uh, if you ask me, Steve Martin's finest work. That's a great movie. Underappreciated. So I'm guessing she played 
Steve Martin's grandmother. I would assume. Well, remember, Steve Martin's character in The Jerk thought he was black. Right, right. That's why I say, I'm guessing this character, played by Francis E. Williams, was Steve Martin's grandmother. Because he was just a poor black boy. You're right about that. Playing Bertha Griffin Lamore in this series is Virginia Capers. Also not with us any longer. Died in 2004. This may not be a good sign, but her IMDb known for doesn't have Frank's place. It does, however, have Howard the Duck. Oh, but she has a recurring role as Hattie Grandma Banks. That is Uncle Phil's mama in six episodes of Fresh Prince. Oh, we're just covering all the bases with Fresh Prince today. Oh, you don't even know. Big Arthur in this series is played by Tony Burton. Another person who's not with us any longer died in 2016 at age 78. He played Duke in Rocky IV and Rocky Balboa, and also was Apollo's trainer in the original Rocky. And also, Chico, he's in the first episode of Moonlighting. This is true. I streamed it on Disney Plus because I got the uh, Hulu subscription along with my Disney Plus. If you don't mind me asking, what type of role did he play in the first episode? Bartender. Which totally would rate, given what we know about Tony Burton from Frank's Place. Well, that makes sense. Absolutely good connection there. But also, I gave a little chuckle there because taking a look at the Moonlighting credit, he is credited as Bartender. Isn't even given a name. Yeah, Pablo's trainer. That's pretty good credit there in Rocky and Rocky 2. Playing Tiger Sheppin is Charles Lampkin, and he's another person who hasn't been with us for some time. He actually died in 1989, less than a year after Frank's Place got canceled. He played Pops in Cocoon, and this is actually his last credit according to IMDb. Wait a second. On Night Court, he played Grandpa Robinson, so he must have played Max Grandfather? Wait. You know what that Oh, jeez. No, another trap I walked into. That's a penis. Not another Pulaski episode. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. That may be cut, cut out. <laughs> oh my That's only if we talk about the animal or No, but the, I, I feel like we need to have something similar for that when we talk about Charles Robinson. Charlie Robinson, the scene from How oh. I Met Your Mother. Ted. Not another Charlie Robinson episode. No, what? I'm sorry. Ted, why do you have to build this building for freaking uh, Ryan Cranston that looks like a penis? Because <laughs> remember, uh, Ryan Cranston was Ted's boss in that episode. Moving on, we actually have more characters. I know we've gone through like 10 at this point. We got three more to go, believe it or not, who appeared on every single episode. Maybe that's another reason this got canceled is if you've got 13 people appearing on every episode... Yeah, the money goes up there. Playing Reverend Tyrone Deal is Lincoln Kilpatrick. Again, not with us anymore. Passed away in 2004. He was a priest in Soylent Green, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. And spoiler, don't eat the Soylent Green. 
Oh, why is that? It's not good for you. Oh. A lot of calories. Oh. Good to know. If it turns green, it's beefy lean. If it turns blue, it's your Uncle Lou. Oh, good. So I can eat it then. It's not my Uncle Lou. Hey, you said it, not me. Cool Charles in this series is played by William Thomas Jr. And yet another person who's not with us any longer passed in 2020. He played Santos on an episode of Star Trek TNG. Second reference to TNG this episode. Season 7, episode 24, Preemptive Strike. Other than that, he made a lot of one-shot appearances. Did two episodes of The West Wing back in 2002. Two episodes of Sister Sister again in 95 and 97. And three episodes of Hope and Gloria in 1995 and 1996. And wait, hold on a second. We totally forgot this. Because he played Detective William Donald Potts on seven episodes of Cop Rock. So we just talked about him a week and a half ago. So there is life after Frank's place. He was on seven episodes of Cop Rock. No word if he sang any of those songs we talked about. We've covered 10 characters so far. There's an 11th character, but we're saving the best for last. Playing Shorty, as IMDB credits him, not Shadi LaRue or even Shorty LaRue, but his name is Shorty LaRue, happens to be John Barber's kid's favorite character on his favorite show, which happened to be Frank's Place, Don Yeso. Don Yeso, not into acting anymore, believe it or not. He actually owns like a yoga Pilates studio in Louisiana, I think in Baton Rouge. Does a little acting every now and then from what it appears. Recently, he was on seven episodes of Queen Sugar as a cop. Was on four episodes of Zoo, if you remember that on TNT. He was a coach in 22 Jump Street. Uncredited. But he's had a nice long career. But yeah, he owns a uh, a yoga Pilates studio. I think it's actually called like Yolatis or something like that in uh, Baton Rouge. This would actually not be his only role to take place in Louisiana. He was on an episode of Kville in 2007 and an episode of Trem. That's how you pronounce it, right? Trem on HBO in 2010. And actually, if you take a look, Don Yeso, he may be like 70 years old. He is friggin' ripped. He stays in shape. But yeah, he's got an accent so thick, you need a chainsaw to get through it. In fact, his accent was so thick. How thick was it? Oh, I'm sorry. Hugh Wilson heard him, I believe it was on an airplane flight to the city when Hugh Wilson and Tim Reed were doing research for the show, hired him on the spot. This show is his big break. And actually, his yoga Pilates studio, Yoglades, it looks like doing some quick research, LSU's football team does work with him. Well, it makes sense. Baton Rouge totally makes sense. But yeah, damn, Don Yeso is ripped for almost 70 years old. I hope that there's like a picture of him with Brian Kelly. 
those are the 11 characters who appear in every episode. I know that's a lot. Took us some time to get through that. And we do have a bunch of episodes, 22 plus the pilot. So let's just start off at the top. Even though I mentioned it earlier, that first episode, Frank Parrish comes to New Orleans to see his father's restaurant, the Chez Louisiane, also called the Chez. Frank meets the staff of the restaurant and some of the loyal customers. And one thing I've noticed, especially since we just went through 11 people who are on this show on every episode, there's not a lot of guest stars. That happens to be the case with episode one. There is one person, but that's somebody of little significance. Episode two, Frank returns. Frank goes back to Boston, but it seems the city doesn't want him. Is this due to a spin put on him? So he goes back to New Orleans to stay. So this goes back to the little curse, the little voodoo, Maloika, whatever you want to talk about, that uh, the waitress put on him when he went down to New Orleans in the pilot. So now he goes back home, but decides, okay, I'm going back to New Orleans because something just ain't right. We got some names in this episode, though, playing themselves. First and foremost, Joe Frazier. Smoking Joe. But also, well, if you have Joe Frazier, you got to have this guy nearby, I think, as himself, Don King. We also have playing a character by the name of Gregory, John Marshall Jones. Now, he's been in For All Mankind. He's been in Bosch, but he is primarily known as Taj Maury's daddy on Smart Guy. What is it with the Maoris this episode? We talk about Sister Sister. Now we're talking about Smart Guy. They're getting a lot of mileage in this episode. Just remember, Smart Guy is where I learned never help a lowly guy who lives in a basement develop a video game based on surfing. It's not going to end well. See a very special episode to learn more about that. Episode three is titled Frank Takes Charge. Frank is the new owner of the Shea, but with no experience in running a restaurant, he feels like a fifth wheel. He also finds out that he owes a loan that he borrowed from Bertha Griffin Lamore. Episode four is titled The Bridge. A man named Varden drinks too much at the Shea and dies in a car accident. The Varden family sues the Shea for negligence. Don't overserve people. I'm just saying. That's how you get a place closed. Now, I don't see a person named Varden in the credits, but I do see Olive Varden. I'm assuming. His wife, played by B. Richards. B. Richards, who is known for a role as Mrs. Prentice in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and two episodes of Sanford and Son as Aunt Ethel. But there are two other names in this episode. Playing sister number one is Lenny Godfrey, who we talked about in previous entry, New Monkeys, as the voice of the house of the new monkeys but playing jan rudy conchata Farrell. wow so even more references to la law in this episode i was thinking more two and a half men uh hotel hot l hot l baltimore 
Yeah, hot L. Yeah, hot L. Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think two and a half men first and foremost. Yeah, that's what we most know her for is two and a half men. Sorry to override you, Chico. Yeah, that's fine. Men. Episode five, Frank joins the club. Frank gets invited to a black men's club. He feels great till he finds out how they chose their members. So how do they choose their members? Looking at Wikipedia, this may explain it a little better. Frank is recruited to be the token dark-skinned member of a club for light-skinned black people. Oh. So it's basically that episode of King of the Hill, then. It's something, I'll tell you that. But like I said earlier, they did tackle different issues like race. Episode six, Eligible Bachelor. Frank has his eyes on Hannah, but the young eligible women and their pushy mothers are taking a particular interest in Frank. Playing Ruby in this episode, who I'm going to assume is one of the women who want to go after Frank, it's Tracy Reed. She was on five episodes of McLeod as Carol Broadhurst. We don't get to talk about McLeod all that often, so I thought I'd throw that in there. But also, she was on a number of episodes of different shows. Episode of Riptide, three episodes of La Love Boat, an episode of Hill Street Blues, two episodes of Benson, all over the place in the late 70s, early 80s. And we may have talked about her in the past because she was on an episode of That's My Mama. And 25 episodes of OG Love American Style. I really did not know there were regular cast members on Love American Style. That's going to take us to episode number seven, Disengaged. Uh-oh, hold on. Uh-oh. Wait, Uh-oh. Susan. Yeah, thank you, Susan. I, I really appreciate that. So I'm guessing that there may have been some sort of engagement, but now disengaged. Anime is excited to be a bridesmaid at Hannah's wedding, but will there be a wedding? Okay, so it has nothing to do with Frank's relationships. It has to do with Hannah and her relationship, her soon-to-be marriage. Gonna throw out a name just because I know Greg loves this. Playing Soap Benson in this episode is Brad Sanders. I only mention Brad Sanders for one reason. He played Luther in Brewster's Millions. Oh, yes. But also, he played Tequila's voice in Tequila and Benetti. That is true. Yeah, he was the voice of Tequila. So we hit both of Greg's sweet spots there. Brewster's Millions and Tequila and Benetti. Playing Father Phil in this episode is Carl Franklin, who you would probably remember as the uh, major domo on the final season of the A-Team, where, you know, the A-Team finally gets captured and they work off their sentence as soldiers of fortune for the Federales and Robert Vaughn. I love it when a plan comes together. Episode 8 is called Cool in the Gang, Part 1. C-O-O-L in the Gang, Part 1. Charles tries to make some money on the side selling car cologne, but falls in with a fast crowd with a product that will sell far better, but at a cost. We do have one name in this episode. We do have one guest of note playing Other Boy. That's the name he's given. Other Boy is Laren's Tate. 
And where you might know him from, he was on 29 episodes of Power. He was Councilman Tate. And then Power Book 2, Ghost, also playing Councilman Tate. He's been on many, many things. 47 episodes of Rescue Me. Eight episodes of, oh, this we talked about a number of weeks ago, and Greg, I don't think, remembered what it was. Or maybe it was Chico, but myself and the other person knew what it was. Eight episodes of Love Monkey. That was supposed to be Teddy Geiger's starring uh, vehicle. It did not end well. And actually, we have talked about him in the past because he played Curtis Royal on The Royal Family. The short-lived show that, uh, unfortunately, Red Fox passed away. Next episode, obviously, is Cool in the Gang Part 2. Cool Charles's crowd turns deadly, and his personality gets darker with his drug use. And Laren's Tate is in this episode again, his other boy. Another name in this episode. Playing Homer, Phil Lewis. And Phil Lewis was in Part 1 as well. He was in... Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, but he is also a prominent producer and director. That'll take us to episode 10. The Reverend gets a flock. While sitting out some bad weather, Bubba and Tiger recall the last time Reverend Tyrone Deal had a congregation. Episode 11 is titled IOU. Frank is asked rather forcefully to sell the Shea to Pokey Lacar to settle an old debt of Ennis Parrish, Frank's dad, and the former owner of the Shea. Playing Pokey Lacar, we have a name, Ray Oliver. He played Dr. Death in Child's Play, for those of you who enjoy the Child's Play series. And we talked about the director of this episode before. Roy Campanella II. That's right, because we talked about him in the Colbys, where earlier in the episode, we talked about his dad not knowing he directed an episode of the Colbys, and Kisa said infamously, who is for Campanella? And we all were like, what? Go back to that one. That was a good exchange. Oh, uh, all that episode with me and Kiesel, that was just comedy gold. Oh, Kiesel took over that episode. That was a thing of beauty. Episode 12 is titled Food Fight. I wonder if this is about the video game. Oh, Chico, that reminds me, you gotta get the Atari 50 for the Switch or whatever system you use because it has Food Fight, the arcade version. That is one of my favorite games on Atari 50. Do we have the 7800 version on it? It doesn't. It has like the Atari 800 XE or X, whatever the computer system was, and it has the arcade version. But you know, the 7800 version is pretty darn good, too. So getting back to this episode, when a rival restaurant tries to steal the Shea's food to tap the secret of Big Arthur's recipes, an illegal boxing match is set up for the rival chefs. The winner admits in public who is the better cook. We have a name in this episode. Playing Cyrus Litt, Randall Tex Cobb. Oh, damn. Randall Tex Cobb. Most notably from Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. And Raising Arizona. Don't forget Raising Arizona. Doing a little research, I know where I remember him from. He played a burglar on an episode of Married with Children. 
where Al knocks the living stink out of him when he tries breaking into Al's house. But then he sues Al for the injuries he had after getting caught trying to steal stuff in his house. So kind of somebody that we know, at least in our little circle, uh, in terms of uh, characters on this episode. Moving on to episode 13, Season's Greetings. Okay, I think we can guess that this is the Christmas episode, and it happened to air on December 14th, so I think my speculation is correct. It's Christmas at the Shea. Frank is invited to Shabbat at the Weisbergers, and he also gets to meet Ennis's brother, Ray. Arthur plays Santa Claus for the local children with Shorty as his helper. Oh my gosh. Don Yeso is playing an elf. An elf with an accent so thick. How thick is it? I don't know. I gave you a couple of lines earlier about cutting it with a machete or with a chainsaw. He's got a thick accent. We have a couple of names in this episode. Playing Brandon in this episode is Gregory Itzen. We haven't said this in a long time. Greg, I know you want to say it. You have the honors. That bastard Charles Logan. It was a thing on TV Hall of Famer, Gregory Itzen. And he was the guy who lost on few to the guy who busted his kneecap. We haven't talked about Gregory Itzen in ages. It's been probably close to two years at this point. This felt good. I love it. But another name, even bigger than that bastard Charles Logan, believe it or not, playing Ray Parrish is John Witherspoon. Pops. Among other things. J.D. Witherspoon's daddy. R.I.P. Confetti. That does it for the episodes from 1987, but we will come back to complete the rest of the run of Frank's Place after these commercial messages from around this time. We will be right back. Once upon a time... Do you love this man? I don't want to lose you, Vincent. Let her fall in love. Follow your heart, Catherine. Beauty and the Beast. And on Dallas. I'll make it through this, you'll see. Pam's bandages are coming off, and what you'll see is anyone's guess. Then, her husband's gone, but his legacy lives on. I loaned him $30 million, and now I want it back. Falcon Crest, a night of surprises, Friday on CBS. You know, it's funny. When I tell people I really do use Prell, they don't believe me. They think that because I'm a model, I have a bathroom full of hairdressers or something. The truth is, I really love what it does to my hair. It gives my hair body and fullness. You really should try it yourself. You'll love it. And if you don't, they'll give you your money back. Your hair's worth at least that, right? Oh, I forgot one thing. Try Prell Conditioner, too. It's made especially to work with Prell Shampoo. You really have to feel all this body to believe it. That's all. There's something new in the air. Wait till you smell it. Wait till you see what it can do. It's a new dawn. Mountain spring dawn. Watch for it. CBS Sports Break, sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Good evening. 
The Minnesota Twins, a team that has given new meaning to the phrase home sweet home, snapped a 2-2 tie and scored what proved to be the winning run in the sixth on three walks and an infield single by Greg Gagne. They added an insurance run in the eighth. The victory went to Frank Viola, who held the Cardinals with six hits over eight innings. The triumph was the first World Series championship for the Twins since 1924, when they were the Washington Senators. More after this. New Chicken Little Sandwiches from Kentucky Fried Chicken. In his first game in nearly a year, Jim McMahon came off the bench in the second half and passed the Bears to victory over Tampa Bay. That was the highlight of the day when the regular NFL players returned to action. For CBS Sports Break, I'm Irv Cross. This is CBS. We're going to get into 1988 with episode 14, The Bum Out Front. Frank has a problem with a homeless man that will not leave the Shea alone. No guests of note. Actually, one guest, but that's not a person of note. So we're going to move on to episode 15, Dueling Voodoo. One of Frank's dad's possessions is an apartment from which a voodoo woman refuses to move. Frank needs to evict her, but needs some help from another local voodoo worker to do so. In this episode, playing Madame Torche. Well, I'm guessing maybe some sort of mystic that's trying to get rid of the voodoo. Lynn Thigpen. I don't think I need to say anything else. But obviously we know her from the district. But again, people our age, three of us, know her as the chief on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Somebody's got to get the rerun rights to that show. Oh, that was so much fun. Episode 16 is called Where's Ed? Didn't we do an episode about that last week? Where's uh, Huddles? Was his name Ed Huddles? I think it was. So Where's Ed? Apparently 18 years in the future on a series set in uh, New Orleans. I'm guessing. Ed, a fellow driver club member, has died. But this has not stopped his fellow drivers from taking him from the funeral home to the shade for one last drink. Instead of taking him back, the drivers leave him at the Shea the next morning. Holy crap, it's weekend at Bernie's. Did anybody try getting Bernie drunk? I'm just curious. Legit question. Playing D. Wayne Thomas in this episode, believe it or not, is the aforementioned Hugh Wilson. So he wrote, directed, and starred in this episode. The only thing he didn't do was the catering, apparently. Episode 17 is called Night Business. Business is bad in the evenings, so Frank hires a consultant who decides on some radical changes. Episode 18 is titled Shorty's Bell. Shorty falls in love with a woman who may spell trouble for him. Seems like we should have an uh-oh there, but I think we've already used our uh-oh quota for this episode. The titular Bell. Alexandra Puddin Boatwright. Played by Elise Cutter who you would remember as the pretty neighbor that Balky had his eye on during season one of Perfect Strangers and half of season two. Episode 19, Frank's Place, the movie. Oh, great. We've talked about getting six seasons in a movie. This gets one season, and in it is a movie. 
Oh my gosh. A movie is being shot at the bat. Frank finds himself drawn to the actress, but holds back because he doesn't want to jeopardize his potential relationship with Hannah. But the guys tell him he should try. You won't believe what happened. Well, this may be the person who's playing that actress that he has a little bit of feelings for. Playing Nima Sharon is Pam Greer. Oh. I think that's all you need to say is, oh. And I think Anu and whatever that last thing that Chico did, I think are also appropriate. Because if you know your exploitation films from the 70s, she was in a few. Oxy Brown. And she also played the title role in Jackie Brown. Yeah, one of Quentin Tarantino's underrated gems. Concur. But that's not the only name of this episode. That might not even be the biggest name in this episode, believe it or not. Playing Brandman Carr, Patrick Wayne. He did more than host Tic-Tac-Toe. Yeah. He did. Oh, I said toe. He did more than host Tic-Tac-Toe back in 1990. We've referred to him because he was the host of the Monte Carlo show. By the way, Tic-Tac-Toe, that's going to be another show on our network now. Tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe, yeah. Where we're playing for digits? Yeah. Yes. Can I be a five-time champ because I'm missing five? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just a question. Daniel Davis plays Arnold David Tooney on this episode. Daniel Davis plays Niles on The Nanny. Today I learned, while I was doing research for this episode, he is not British. What? Daniel Davis is not British. He is from Arkansas. I feel lied to. Three episodes ago. Episode 20. Cultural exchange. Some East African musicians come to the Shea and one of them decides to defect. We do have a name playing himself in this episode. Dizzy Gillespie. Since Chico is talking about Louis Armstrong... Satchmo earlier. I think Dizzy Gillespie is like a half a level below Louis Armstrong. Legendary trumpeter. Episode 21 is titled The Recruiting Game. Calvin is a basketball player that is being courted by several colleges that seem to lean more towards his athletic career than his education. His mother reaches out to Frank to fend off the recruiters and make a sound college decision. Three names in this episode. First is Tom LaGrua, who plays Chick Voltaggio. We talked about him on Famous Teddy Z. Are you sure it's not the, te- the, te- the Teddy Famous Z? I can't say it. It's that stupid. Yes. Probably. And then we have playing coach Richards, Arthur Burkhart, known primarily for his roles in Transformers and G.I. Joe. And Network. He played the great Ahmed Khan on Network. Playing Coach Craig, though. Dennis Haskins. But also, Chico, you missed maybe the biggest name of all. Bigger than Mr. Belding. Bigger than that guy from the Teddy Famous Z. Playing the basketball player's mother, Mrs. Ross, Joe Marie Payton. What? Like I said, you missed it. 
We all know who Joe Marie Payton is. Harriet Winslow. Enough said. But we've also talked about her in the past in a number of episodes. Well, she would have still been on Perfect Strangers at this time. Because that didn't spin off till what, like 89-ish? Yeah, because Carl Winslow actually makes his first appearance on Perfect Strangers in the 88-89 season. And you know what? I'm going to make a little prediction here. I really think, even though we may not want to put her in the Hall of Fame, she's making a Hall of Fame case. Because we talked about her in Teachers Only. When we cover the new Odd Couple, she was on four episodes of that. We talked about her in the Slap Maxwell story. We talked about her now. Whenever we cover Small Wonder, she was on that. Was also, I think she was on one of the Red Fox shows. Like the variety show that aired uh, after Sanford's son got canceled. Oh, the Red Fox Comedy Hour? Whatever it was called, I thought she was on that. That's going to take us to the final episode. Episode 22, which is titled The King of Wall Street. A chairman of a major corporation visits the Shea, but he finds out that his board is trying to vote him out of his own company, and he has to figure out his future. That's the series. Taking a look at the ratings, they weren't bad for starters. CBS obviously hyped us up quite a bit. We talked about how in summer of 1987, they had both the reads hosting the uh, CBS Playhouse, all those pilots that we talked about earlier in the show. And at least for starters, the ratings were not bad, despite the competition. We'll get to the competition later. It faced some very, very difficult competition. So for what appears to be its premiere, it rated 42nd out of 60 shows. Okay, so that's bottom two-thirds. But it did better than a similar special for Jake and the Fat Man. But taking a look at uh, other ratings throughout the series, they were similarly in that area. I see here for October 36th, again, 42nd uh, for another week in October. In November, I see a 49th, 47th. So, yeah, it looks like it tended to stick in the 40s. I see a 40th for late October of 1987, 37th, again, uh, the week before that. So it's in the 40s pretty consistently. So a show that's consistently in the 40s. Nowadays, you score consistently in the 40 range. You will get that vote of confidence. But um, and now I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, which cites a book written by uh, Tom Dreesen and Tim Reed that... The reason why this show was canceled, it wasn't because of the ratings and it wasn't because of how well it did, because it was a critical darling. The one thing that if you were to point at it and say, that's the reason that show got canceled, it would be, and this is according to Tim Reed, the final episode, The King of Wall Street. If I can quote Wikipedia real quick. Tim Reed was told by CBS board member and legendary newsman Walter Cronkite that the show was canceled because Lawrence Tisch, the network's CEO at the time, 
was upset by the episode The King of Wall Street. Tish, who bought CBS via junk bonds, viewed the episode as an insult since it depicted a Wall Street tycoon condemning junk bonds. As a result, Tish demanded that the show be canceled despite the objections of Cronkite and other board members. I'm going to disagree about the ratings thing because I'm looking now in March of 1988 and this is out of 80 shows. It was 68th. But let's factor in Fox shows. The only shows that were not on Fox that it beat my sister Sam, actually it tied at 68th with my sister Sam, and then Trial and Error, which was a Paul Rodriguez thing. And Eddie Velez. Are we going to forget Eddie Velez? I think I clearly did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not buying the whole ratings thing because when you're third from the bottom among the big three, that's not good. But also, I think we need to always play that game. Let's look at the schedule. Because the schedule, wherever this went, it went up against competition. It's crazy. Just some of the names of the shows that it went up against. We'll start with the premiere. On the premiere night, it premiered at 8 o'clock on Mondays. NBC, 8 o'clock on Mondays in the late 80s, was Elf. Second season, I don't know if you're beating Alf at this point, but also on ABC, before Monday Night Football, mind you, head of the class. And again, that would have been second season or third season. I think it was second. But then if we skip ahead a little bit in the schedule, it starts hopping and bopping around like nobody's business. Uh, October 18th, it's still at 8 p.m. on Mondays going up against Alf. But now before Monday Night Football, the first half hour of MacGyver. We're sort of going from bad to worse. Now I'm going to jump all the way to February 1st, still on Mondays, but now it airs at 8.30. Kate and Allie now airs at 8, then Frank's Place is at 8.30. Now on NBC, it's got to go up against Valerie's family. And it still goes up against MacGyver uh, the second half hour of MacGyver on uh, Monday nights, even after the football season's done. So you're just getting pounded by different shows, and that's not even the worst of it. We're going to go to March. By this time, they moved the show to Tuesday nights at 9.30. On NBC, it went up against the second half hour of In the Heat of the Night, and I believe this is the first season of In the Heat of the Night. But on ABC, again, Tuesday nights, mid to late 80s, 9 p.m., second half hour of moonlighting. But that's not even all, because it made one more move for summer reruns. It moved to Saturday nights now, following Kate and Allie reruns again. And this would have been Kate and Allie's last season, I think, 87, 88, maybe 88, yeah. 89. It went up against Supercarrier that we've talked about previously on ABC, second half hour of that. But on NBC, how about another show that you're going to have problems with? 227. Oh. So anywhere it went, 
it was going up against a quality TV show. Maybe that's the reason why the ratings were so lackluster. It just couldn't catch a break, no matter where it went. Mondays, Tuesdays, Saturdays. But I do want to play a little game with Chico and Greg regarding this. Because I have a quote, and this is from a famous celebrity. The quote says, specifically, I stay home to watch. I stay home to watch L.A. Law, Frank's Place, and Hooperman. I taped Letterman and listened to the audio in my car on the way to work. I know Chico said he wanted to play this 20 questions style. So you know what? That's a fair idea. We're going to play 20 questions to guess the identity of the celebrity who said that quote. I'm not going to edit any of this. It's going to last about 10 minutes. So if you want to skip ahead to about the one hour mark, that'll pick up with the remainder of the show without the hemming and hawing of Chico and Greg. And we'll alternate. So Chico... You go first, then back to Greg, and so each you gets ten questions. Okay. Uh, is this celebrity a male or a female? We do this like person, place, or thing style. Yes or no questions only. Okay, fine. Is this person a male? This person is a male. One question down, nineteen to go. Greg, was he on TV during this time? Yes, he was. So that's two down, 18 to go. Okay, Mr. John Daly, um, was he on a show on NBC at the time? No. I'm going to say no to that, and I'm Wally Bruner, not John Daly. Three down, 17 to go. Oh, darn, I was hoping to call you Larry Blight. <laughs> <laughs> was he on ABC at this time? No, he wasn't. So that's four down, 16 to go. Okay, we've whittled it down to a network. <laughs> and a CBS in 1988. Okay. Was he on a non-scripted show at he this time? On, he was on a non-scripted show at this time. So five down, 15 to go. Back to Greg. Is this person involved in news by chance? A qualified yes. I'll say yes to that. So six down. Is this person a commentator? I'm going to say no. So that's seven. Does this person anchor an evening news slot at 630? No. So that's eight. Chico? Is this person known for a long running series? Absolutely yes. So that's nine. Is this person on 60 Minutes? No, that's 10. I'm trying to think of a, a non scripted show on CBS in 1988. Um... You're going down the wrong path. I'm just going to tell you that. Okay. Um... Is this person still alive today? This person is absolutely still alive. So that's 11. Is this person in the sports division at CBS? No. But again, you're making an assumption that we have not clarified. You're making an assumption about something regarding this person that we have not determined. 
Okay, is this person on CBS? No, that's 13. So he's not on ABC, he's not on NBC, and he's not on CBS. Correct. And he is a, uh, he's not a commentator. Not a commentator. He is on an unscripted series that aired in 1988 that may or may not have lasted a long time. No, it definitely lasted a long time. I said that much. Okay. Uh, in terms of if he was on this show in 1988, the answer to that is yes. So he was on this show in 1988, 87-88, and it's a long-running show. So I think we're at Greg with seven questions left. Dear God. Um, what were his three favorite shows again? Frank's Place, L.A. Law, and what's the third? Hooperman. Hooperman. That doesn't really give you a clue, though. I'm just going to tell I you know. that much. Okay. You know that, but it's like, who would, like... At this point, I think I almost need to give you a clue. Do you want a clue? Yes. Take, yes. You may know him from a TV show, but you also know his work in a different type of role on network television. A non-acting, non-visual role, if you will. Non-acting, non-visual role. That doesn't help. I don't want to just give it to you on a platter. I mean, I really could, but I really don't want to just... Hi, give it to us in a bag. No, 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 no. no. I, I... I need to figure this out. Okay. He's not on a network. He's not on a network. He's not. See, this is what screwed us. Chico made me think he was on CBS. And so I went in the wrong direction. Now I'm at 13 questions now. Well, you see, that's why I told you, you guys are going down the wrong path because you thought he was on CBS and I never said he was. Yeah. But you also said he was, he's not on ABC and he's not on NBC. If he's not on CBS and he's not on NBC and he's not on ABC, where would his show air? Is it a show in syndication? There you go. That's 14. We're on the right track now. Yes. Uh, it's a not, and it's a non-scripted role. Is he a host of something? Yes. That's 15. Five left. Does he host a review program for feature films? No, he doesn't. So that's 16. Is he a game show host? No, that's 17. I'm sure the listeners find this absolutely captivating. <laughs> so he's on syndication. He's not a game show host. Correct. He's not a reviewer. Of feature uh-huh. Films. And like I said, you may know him from his TV role, but he has another, I don't want to say side gig, but he's also known for something else related to television, but not as an actor and not as like a personality. He did something else. If you want to give up, 
No, I don't okay, want to. Okay, I just, I'm just offering. I'm just offering because I'm looking. This is not I, helping me. I'm looking at your faces, and it seems like you're either really stumped or really constipated. I'm like, what? I'm trying to figure this out. It's racking my brain. Maybe going for the non-television role might help you out. I know you got three questions. I know Chico's only got one left. Would you like me to give you a... Yes. Give us a hint. Okay, well, I'm going to give you like a parallel, okay? To who this person is. In many ways, he's very similar to Alan Thick. Similar to Alan Thick. In the fact that... Okay. Hold on a second. Similar to Alan Thick in syndication, he's the host of a show, correct? Yeah, yeah, but not, Alan's not necessarily a host in this sense. I'm talking about the second gig for this person. The set. There's a second gig for this person. Yeah, this person's known for more than just hosting. Well, give us a hint to the second gig. I can't because you're going to get it. You know what? I'm willing to take that risk if Just you are. give the hint of the second gig. He's a composer. Okay. He's a composer. Yeah. So that's the Alan Thick tie, because Alan oh. Thick obviously composed. Okay. Okay. Are you thinking, Greg? I'm thinking! Okay! I'm not... I'm not okay! I just want to make sure you didn't have a coma, Tom Poston. Oh, God. A composer. Okay. Yes, composer, and he had a very significant role on a TV show in syndication, and he would have been on in 1987-88. Yo, Chico, you can take this question. I can try to figure out the last two. Did he compose the theme song to uh, basketball coverage on a major television network maybe all right <laughs> i got it the clue. that was the hint yes i knew that would give it to you is it john tesh yes john tesh said he loves frank's <laughs> place to the point that he records it all the time greg i knew when i said it was john tesh i knew you'd like flip out because i know how much you love your round ball rock yeah, John Tess said all that, believe it or not. Well, of course he has to keep up with Frank's place. He hosts Entertainment Tonight with Mary Hart at this time. And if you listen to the 1987 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade episode, he's very handy with the camcorder. And if you needed another hint, I was going to say, try for the insult climic dog calls him Tessie. <laughs> if that didn't give it to you, I don't know what would have. Yeah. But yeah. Wait a second. Hold on. Time out. When I said, did he work at CBS Sports? That is true because John Tesh worked at CBS Sports before he was at Entertainment Tonight. Oh, for frig's sake. And I'll say it again. If you're still listening to us after all of that, God bless you. I'm sorry for the people that are listening to the Friday Omnibus Cut that have another episode to go. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, they played along too and Maybe I'll somehow cut it down from like 15 minutes to three. Depends how I feel. So, yeah, 
I uh, just wanted to share that little nugget with you because I thought Greg especially, but Chico too, would love to know that John Tesh loved Frank's Place. All right, before we wrap everything up, I think we need to do the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour update. It's time for This weekend Match Game, Hollywood Squares, Hour, History! We are up to week 16, and this week, I've touted a big celebrity, a legend of sorts, appearing this week. George Goebel appeared. We know him from Hollywood Squares. He didn't really translate that well to match game. This also may not have helped. I think his mental faculties were starting to go. wasn't as sharp as he was 10 years prior, but also physically. He actually walked across the stage the first episode with Kane in hand, and then for the second episode and the rest of the week, he just stood by the square, not unlike Bill Cullen. But in addition, we had Richard Klein, Bill Daly, Leonard Fry, not from Mr. Smith anymore because that got canceled, Nancy Stafford, Tom Wigan, Elaine Joyce, and Jimmy Walker, who was only there because he needed the money, money. Oh, I was going to put the sound in there, but that was beautiful. Nice timing, too. Now, this week, we had one of our players that we love talking about. We talked about Magnificent Beard Guy. We talked about Gary, who got robbed, who looked a lot like Ricky Schroeder. We're going to talk about Katie DeSmato in the very near future. But one person that we gave a nickname because of his facial hair is Epic Hornstache Guy. And his name is Mark Berg. So this week, Epic Porn Stash Guy was on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for two episodes. And they started doing the phone match. We talked about in week 14 how it was promoted. In week 16, they actually started doing the phone match. In terms of wins this week, there was a $1,000 win with Jimmy Walker. That was Porn Stash Guy who won that, $100 times 10. And then $10,000 with Tom on Wednesday, $20,000 with Tom on Thursday, and the biggie, $30,000 with Nancy Stafford on Friday. So we just had like a crescendo there. No win on Monday, Tuesday, little baby win. Wednesday, bigger win. Thursday, even bigger win. And then Friday, kaboom, the big one. But next week, oh, guys, I say this for Greg, but I also say this for Chico. One of our favorites is going to be on this week. We may have mentioned this person earlier. That's right. Nidra Voles is coming back next week, baby. Yeah. There you go. Two people said yay. So two versus one. Yeah. No. For the record, I was not that enthusiastic about it. Nobody gets as enthusiastic as me when it comes to Nidra Voles. Just remember that. But maybe we're talking about somebody else next week. Oh, obviously. Ken Kirchhoff and Nathan Cook. Don't spoil it. Want to give just Nieder Voles the teaser. That's it for this update. Let's wrap up this episode. It's lasted long enough with our little guessing game. That's going to do it for this episode. But please remember, you can always go over to ItWasTheThingOnTV.com and you can listen to the 452 episodes of 
that came before this one. And we've got all sorts of great stuff there. Minisodes. We did two minisodes last week. Two great minisodes. Live shows, extended versions, instant reactions. We got it all. Also remember on social media, including Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon, not that Elon Musk site. We're at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook. Please remember we're at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And if you want to find us on Mastodon, please search for us at It Was a Thing on TV at tvwatch.party. Also remember, we're on any good podcast player. TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, Google Podcasts, until that goes away in two months. We're everywhere, and you can easily find us on any quality podcast app like Antenna Pod or Podcast Addict or Podbean. And also, don't forget, we're on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to our channel, and don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube. Be informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what's coming up next time on the podcast. We sort of continue our little Black History Month, as it were, and we talk about a show from the mid-90s with an SNL alum. They gave that SNL alum a show? Well, finally, Stewie Griffin's going to be happy. If Stewie's happy, I'm happy. But yeah, they gave her a show? They thought she was going to lead a TV show? I don't know. We'll have to find out about that next time on Thursday. Right here it is, The Thing on TV. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for surviving our little game. Even <laughs> if it gets edited down to like three minutes, you guys really don't know how long that took. I promise we're not going to do that again because apparently I stumped everybody on John Tesh. Good night, everybody. Wow. And we know it's going at the end. Oh, round ball of rock. After that? My son's favorite character from my son's favorite show. He plays Shotty LaRue and Frank's place Don Yeso. I think now, guys, after that, we can officially retire that sound bite. Yes. Yes. I don't want to, but okay. Well, next time, don't put that idea in my head, good sir. Dang.